welcome to Let's Talk About Brand. I, of course, am your host, Christine Gritman. We're every week talking about a different element of personal branding. I'm very excited to talk to today's guest. Today's guest is my friend Tim Hughes. I have been on his podcast, and now he's here on mine talking about what really lights him up, which is social selling. What does social selling mean? It really means person-to-person selling. And you know what really helps with that? Having a strong personal brand. During this conversation, we bring up my favorite three words. Shout out to Bob Berg. Know, like, and trust. Tim talks to us about how when people are buying just about anything, they're ultimately buying trust, or rather they are buying into trusting another human being. We've all gotten that impression of sleazy salespeople. Tim's social selling methodology turns that right on its ear. And we talk about some things that are very important to me as well, which are social media and how it can factor into all sorts of decisions, including but not limited to purchasing decisions. We talk about automation and things of that nature and how those can play in. We talk about how people make buying decisions. Then we talk about how people can encourage the building of personal brands within their own organizations. Because as Tim says, he has data to prove that salespeople with personal brands just do so much better. So any smart company who has a sales force is going to want to listen to Tim's tips. And of course, anyone who's trying to sell anything at all is going to want to listen as well. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. So without any further ado, let's bring on today's guest. Come on down, Tim. Hey! What a welcome. We always like to make our guests feel like superstars here on Let's Talk Thank About Brands. <laughs> now, you are a bit of a superstar in the selling world for sure, but I'd love to hear in your own words, Tim. If someone asked you what your thing is, what do you say? First and foremost, I always tell people that I'm a salesperson, I'm not a marketer. I've been in sales for 25 years. I have dabbled in marketing. I know a bit about it, but Selling is really what I'm about. So it's all about generating revenue for organization, doing deals and things like that. So I tend to focus on that rather than necessarily some of the marketing side. I tend to be more uh, business revenue, profit driven than necessarily looking at leads or MQLs or anything like that. And that is very unique for a salesperson to not just be about leads and all of that. I think that one of the one of the things that has intrigued the marketing world about your approach, certainly. And that is very refreshing to me here, a personal brand person, is that you really have a very personal approach to selling. And it's not just about seeing people as prospects. And it's not just about driving conversion before all else. 
I would love to hear a bit about how you bring the personal in and how the person really does matter a lot when it comes to the selling style that you espouse. So I think that one of the issues that all salespeople have is the fact that you're just a salesperson. And the way that people go to market is the fact that you're just another company with just another product and you're just another salesperson. And every company goes to market the same way. They say the same, exactly the same thing, which is buy my product because we're great. So as the buyer, how do you make a decision when you have this sea of sameness where all the salespeople look the same, all the salespeople say the same, I'm getting emails, I've got two emails today, and they have exactly the same title on it. I can't remember was it. So I need a meet the, the meeting or something like that. And it's exactly the same. And what people are I've, doing. I've seen some financial advisors. I know a few of them who have subscribed to services that basically they write the email for you and you subscribe to the service. And it means that you can send the email out as you. But I know a few people who are apparently on the same service because they're sending literally the exact same email. So you, you've, yes, <laughs> you've got competitors sending exactly the same email to exactly the same client base, saying exactly the same thing. And it's weird. Our view is that actually people buy people, and that's been the same since the beginning of time. And what you're looking for, especially in the world of business to business, is that you're looking for an expert. You're looking for somebody that can help you. You're looking for somebody that has a voice, somebody that has done this before, somebody that can share not just case studies, but say, this is my view of the industry. These are the top things I think about the industry, that sort of stuff. And we've actually got research that actually backs this up. So in, in the book, The Jolt Effect, which is not my book, written by Matthew Dixon and Ted um, McKenna, and that looks at 2 million, 2 million calls, sales calls. That's a decent data set. A decent data set, yes. All uh, industries? Like, how broad is that set? Uh, it's across industry, and it doesn't cover professional services, because I've actually interviewed Matt Dixon myself, and he's actually doing a project at the moment to drill down on, on professional I'm services. I'm interested in that one, but continue. <laughs> okay, but in terms of this, 2 million and the, the whole book, the whole book is all about the fact that people go out and look for things and then don't make decisions. And what is the reason behind that? And one of the things that they say based on that data set is that every single salesperson needs to have a personal brand. And I'm going to say it again, there is data to back that up because what buyers are looking for is they're looking for the person that's going to help them. If you're going to spend a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars on an IT system, you're not going to buy off anybody. You're going to buy off somebody that's going to hang around and is going to help you through the implementation. It's as we can say, it's now backed by data and science that every salesperson needs a personal brand. Because what people are ultimately buying is trust. I really like how you pointed out that what they really want is to know that amidst this sea of choices, they have someone who's, who actually has an opinion based in fact, based in experience. I did like your point that it wasn't about services. I am intrigued by that, but I think people are more aware that obviously service-based professions need personal brands, but no matter what you're selling, the fact that the salesperson needs one is really crucial there. I love that. So let's dive into what that means. Every salesperson needs a personal brand. What does that mean in this context or what do you understand it as meaning in this context? Okay, so what buyers are looking for. So first and foremost, it doesn't matter what I as a salesperson think. It's what the buyers think. 
And we know that buyers are now on digital. 60% of the world's population are on social media. And the average person on social media now spends two hours, 26 minutes a day on social media. So it's not just about posting pictures. They're actually using social media as a mechanism to find things out. And the first thing that people are going to do when they say we need a new accounting system is that they're going to go onto social media or they're going to go onto to Google. Now, from a search perspective, let's uh, think about uh, the way that search works. So we know from the data that anybody under the age of 34 now use social media to search before they actually go to Google. And the reason for that is that Google doesn't really give you the answer you want. And Google knows it, know this. So if you say, what's the capital of Nigeria, it will give you the answer. If you say, what's the best CRM system in the world, it won't give you the answer because all the 10,000 CRM systems will be buying that search. Yeah, I think that people are a lot more aware now of that as well, aware of the fact that Google search results are algorithmically ranked and that there's SEO tricks and all of that involved. There's a lot involved. It's not what it used to be, which is the thing that the most people are clicking on is the thing that gets that top spot. There's so much more to it now. And I love that consumers are becoming a bit more aware of that. So if you can't trust the top Google search results, what can you trust and what are they trusting? So if you go to social media, what you'll get is something far more around what you want to find, because what you're doing is that you're going out to your network and you're asking them a question. Just as much as you may go out to, the, to your network and say, I'm buying a new VW Golf, um, what, where's the best place to buy it from? And they may say, don't buy it from your local dealer. They're really rubbish. What you need to do is go to this other dealer, which is 200 miles away, but they have better service. And what we're finding is that we know that when we buy stuff, whether it's business to consumer, or business to business, our network will actually help us. So we're going into our network and the science shows that most people under the age of 34 actually do that instead of going to Google. Now, what happens is, and what we're seeing within our client base is that people are actually finding people that, if, you know, if you have a personal brand, if you look different, if you are not the same as everybody else, people will go, you look interesting. I think you can help me. And what happens is they actually walk towards you. Now, this is transformation. If you think about most salespeople, what the, the first thing that we do when we see a salesperson is we go, we don't trust you. We don't believe a word we say, and we're going to run and hide away from you. But by having a personal brand, buyers will actually walk towards you. So I have a client that's getting multi-million dollar deals because he's transformed his salespeople to have personal brands. And people are doing this where they're saying, you look interesting. I think you could help me. Now, when they walk towards the, the, the salesperson, the conversation between buyer and seller is exactly the same as it has been forever. There will be a conversation about whether there's a fit and qualification and budgets and stuff like that. None of that is, is taken out, but it's the fact that you're actually as a salesperson that you're standing out from being different. Now, the difficulty that people have with this, especially in marketing, is that they think it's all about brand. So we constantly have this, it's all about the company brand versus the personal brand. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you've had this conversation before. And the science shows that when we come to social media, we're not interested in the brand. We're interested in a person. It's social media. The research shows we don't come to social media to look at brochures. 
we're not interested in your company or brand. We're interested in you because that's the person that we have the connection with. If you suddenly say to me, Tim, tomorrow I'm now working for IBM. My relationship moves with you to IBM. And of mm-hmm. course, for many people that are in a company, this is very scary. Yeah. But the genie is out of the bottle. The, the data shows that people buy people. And what we're interested in, even in this world of AI, is we're interested in a personal relationship, knowing, liking, and as you said, trusting someone. Yes, always got to give that shout out to Bob Berg. No like trust. Love it. Two things that I found really interesting and not exactly unexpected, but a little bit about what you said before. First of all, you pointed out that people are much more likely to go out to their personal network, which is a much smaller data set, much smaller pool of opinions and hear the personal opinions of their smaller network than to trust Google, which you would think that's aggregating all of this information and all of these other people. So why do we trust that smaller, more curated set more than the 20,000 reviews something might get on Amazon? Why do we trust the five people, one of whom we haven't talked to since high school, over that? Where does that trust come from? I think there's two things. One is the relationship with search has changed. When we first saw search, we put in very small uh, searches and now we actually put in quite long strings. But we are used to actually people buy books, people stay at Airbnbs and people stay at hotels based on the reviews of complete strangers. So we're used to getting reviews on things. Now, quite often what we would do within our network is that we will, we know and trust the people. Whenever we've been for a job, what we're doing is that we've connected to the people that we're working with. Therefore, generally, we are actually trusting those people. Now, what I'm saying in the data, it is people under the age of 34 that tend to use social media more than search. That said, people over the age of 34 tend to go to search first and then basically go to social after that. The other thing is that there's an element of discovery. So discovery is different from search. With search, you know the question and what you're looking for is the answer. With discovery, you don't know the question to ask. So you don't know what the answer is. What you'll find is that people will say, come to LinkedIn and scroll. And what they're doing is that they're just scrolling and you'll get you know, boring, 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 boring. That's interesting. And it's that point where you go, I think it's the, was it, did it Google call it the zero moment of truth or something or where you look at it and you go, that's interesting. That can actually solve my problem. And that's one of the things that people are doing in addition to search. Now, if you look just like a salesperson, just like everybody else, then What's going to happen is that people aren't going to stop and they're just going to see you as one of the boring, 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 boring. If we take LinkedIn, for example, your LinkedIn profile is a shop window to the world. There's 150 million people walk past your shop window every day. Now, do you want them to walk past or do you want them to stop and go, that's interesting? And that's the difference. And that's an interesting point that you bring up also, because I think that a lot of people feel like being professional means fitting into that box, means fitting in 
to that sameness. And I think that is really shifting. And I like that you made that point about how actually now that it's on social media and people are discovering you, you want to be something that stops that scroll. Though to that point, people are searching on their own on Google. People are finding things on social media. What what does that do to the position of the salesperson if consumers are doing so much more of that front end on their own than before? How does that change the relationship of people to salespeople, do you think? I, I think it makes a massive change. I think there's some figures from Gartner that say, I think it's something like 75% or 85%, I can't remember the exact figures, they're looking for a rent-free experience. And I think that's because what happens is that as soon as they talk to a salesperson, you end up in somebody's funnel and you talk to somebody and immediately what they do is they add your email address to some email list that you haven't asked or they start calling you or I've downloaded white papers off HubSpot for writing blogs. And within two days, a salesperson rings me up and says, you downloaded this white paper, you need to buy HubSpot. And I say, no, I don't. And they say, yes, but our figures show that if you download a white paper, then you're just about to buy. And I say, no, I'm writing a blog. You just happen to be a really good resource for, for data and, and research. And that's the problem, which is that there's this expectation that you are suddenly in this funnel and people want to get away from that. What they're looking for, again, is, is a relationship with a person. Now, if you're on social, let's look at it. If you're going to use cold calling, how often can you call somebody up and say, can you buy some stuff? Can you buy something? If you're me, never. If you're me, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. How often can you email somebody? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas on social media, I can wave at you every day. Here's a little article on something. And you stay right in front of someone all the time. And next day I go, here's another little article. And you go, oh, that's really interesting. And then I go, where's well, another little article on Wednesday? And, another. and you go, oh, that's really interesting. And then when you get to, when you get to it, there's a meeting and they say, oh, we're looking for someone to help us with social selling. And you go, don't buy from this person because all they do is phone me up every day. Don't buy from this person because I can't get out of their emails. But there's this Tim Hughes guy on social media. He's on LinkedIn. He was on Christine's show. I'll go and look him up. He's got these really great articles. It looks really great. Here's my question though. Why would they go and approach a salesperson? as opposed to just contacting the company directly? Like, how does the salesperson make themselves known as that kind of in-between in this sort of scenario? Christine, that's a really great question. Do you know, I've never been asked that question ever before. So there's three things that a salesperson needs to do. The first thing is they need to have this, what you call a personal brand. They need to have this profile that looks good to the buyer, not to them. The second thing is that they need to have a wide and varied network. So they need to be connected to the people that they want to influence. So that some of those people were the people that they want to sell to. Some of those people will be the people that maybe to influence the, the people that sell to. Now, when you connect to somebody on LinkedIn, don't connect to them and say, hey, buy my product because we're great, because people will just block you. The, the connection request on LinkedIn is your opportunity to have a conversation. Now, in business to business, every single sale that ever takes place requires to have a conversation. So this is your opportunity to have a conversation. Remember, it's not about you and your products and services. I don't know who you are and I don't care who you are and I don't care about your products and services, but this is your opportunity to have a, a conversation. You might say something like, I saw you on Christine's show. 
I saw that you have a 78 gramophone behind you. How did you get hold of that? And, and, and this is just a, a way of forming a conversation with somebody. The third thing that you need is to have content. We know that buyers are online looking for content. We've already been talking about that. They're looking to consume content. They're looking for, they've got is, business issues and they're looking to solve. So what a salesperson needs is to have a uh, personal brand. They need to be connected to the people that they're trying to invent and they need to have great authentic content, not brochures because we're not interested in brochures, not white papers because we're not interested in white papers. We never read them. What we're interested in is authentic content. We're interested in what is it about that salesperson that's going to help us. And once you're connected to somebody, remember you're connected to somebody unless you're really terrible. You're connected to them forever. So every single day you can put out content and say, hello, this is me. Hello, this is me. Have you thought about this business issue? Have you thought about this business issue? We're finding our customers have this business. We've just sold this and they have this particular issue. And what you're able to do is pick up all those particular issues. And what you're doing is that you're building a whole bunch of content that people can search on and find. We've already talked about that. But also every day you're going to be waving at people and saying, this is this particular business issue, at which point somebody will say that is something that we're actually, we have that issue right now. And they are more likely to walk towards you and approach you by doing that than they are likely to ring the company and say, I just seen your brochure on, on the website. Can you send me one of your, talk to one of your salesperson? Because your relationship that you've got is with that salesperson. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And to that end about content, I know people really struggle with the element of content about how much of it should be selling content, how much of it should be not selling. Should you throw in stuff that has nothing to do with what you're selling? So how do you recommend that people approach that? Because it sounds like, if I'm interpreting you correctly, a lot of the point of the content is less to sell your solution and more to show that you understand the problem. Am I, is that yes. We have data that shows that nobody comes to social media to read brochures. If you're putting out stuff saying, buy my product, then you're back to the same as everybody else because everybody else can say that. Now, there are some subtleties about it. We've actually been running a benchmark now since the beginning of the year. So we're recording this and we're now 10 months into the year. And what we've found is that Certainly, human content is liked by people. Now, 
what is human content? Now, I'm not saying that you need to share personal details about yourself, but you can test this out. For example, if you put out a brochure onto LinkedIn, you'll see how many likes and comments you'll get. If you put a picture of you holding a brochure out there, I can guarantee you, you will get more likes and comments. Now, that's the difference. And what we're looking for in, a, in an individual, and we have data to, 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 to show this, is that to walk towards somebody, you need to actually know somebody. So, for example, if you think about you and I, Christine, we met in London and we had a conversation. I know about you and, and I know about your family and I know about where you're living and stuff like that because we had that conversation and we shared those things. Also, that is exactly what we do when we buy things. When we get to know somebody, we get to know the individual. So in the old days, when I would go out to and have meetings, you would go to a person's office and there might be a picture of them on the desk fly fishing. Immediately, you'd have a conversation with them and say, oh, you're into fly fishing. Oh, yeah, I did a fly fishing course up in uh, Scotland. I was never any good at it. What do you do? Oh, yeah. And I make... And then what happens is you get into a conversation about it. And what happens is that we're interested in people and what they do. And the more that we can find in common with each other, fly fishing, Formula One, living in St. Albans or whatever it is, the more that we can find in common with a person, the more that we like them and trust them. And so the more that you can share on social media about what you're doing, taking the kids to play football at the, the weekend, or, or going, sh sharing them snorkeling or whatever it is, the more that you can share about that, the better it is. Now, I'm not saying that you share a photo of your uh, children playing football every single day. The only assumption that I will jump to at that point is that you're probably a football coach. But what we're looking for in terms of content is different types of content, video, written content, but we're also interested in you as an individual and We've actually built a hierarchy of content. We know exactly what content works and what content doesn't work. And we share that with our clients because that's part of, all, of one of the things that we do. And as I say, we've been running this benchmark and we know exactly how many times you need to post, when you need to post, what type of content you need to post, which will generate leads, meetings, and ultimately revenue for an organization. Now, is this kind of industry or rather industry clump specific or, or do you think that this applies to pretty much everything i know we talked before about how the study that was looked at before was selling stuff versus selling services have you seen any sort of difference there in the methodology or are you only looking at one particular uh no we see it we see it as if you're business to business or business to consumer where you have a considered purchase for example BMW is a client of ours, they're business consumer, but if you're going to buy a BMW, it's a considered purchase. You'll generally do your homework in terms of finding out whether you want the, the Audi, the BMW or the Mercedes. And BMW reckon that when you walk into the showroom, you already know which car you're going to buy and who from in terms of the company. So the way that they're training their salespeople, for example, they're training their salespeople to actually not to know about the cars, but to actually understand more about maybe the leasing details, the resale value and stuff like that, because actually those things are what they know about rather than, rather than what you can find online. But 
certainly from our clients who are services based, which are professional services. Um, a lot of professional services people still tell me that deals are done on the golf course. Um, I'm not sure that's the case. We're seeing certainly within our clients within professional services, they see that the, the battleground is us on social media and it's about sharing content, building networks and having profiles or um, professional personal brands that other people can actually see and recognize. And that's where the battle is taking place. Now, you mentioned that you've worked with clients who have seen incredible returns by just investing in encouraging their sales staff to have personal brands. How yes. can companies do this? How can companies help their staff, whether they're sales or otherwise? How can companies create a program that encourages development of personal brands? I'm biased because my belief is that you have to go outside of your organization to get this help. Now, whenever there is a, a strategic strategy within an organization, diversity, health and safety, inclusion, bullying, uh, all of these things, generally what we do as a, as a company is we go outside, we seek professional advice, and we bring that in and we train the, the employees on it. You're not allowed to use a ladder unless you've been on the health and safety course. You're not allowed to recruit people unless you've been on the diversity and the inclusion course. And I believe it's the same thing with social media, that you need to go outside and seek advice on this and get experts in who do this every day who can actually say, this is what you should be doing. There's a lot of organizations that I think they can do it internally, either because somebody's a digital native or, or whatever. And what happens is that they often make mistakes. This isn't just about understanding social media. It's understanding the psychology behind it. It's about understanding the acumen behind it because there's a business acumen piece to it. And I think, as I say, I'm biased, but you need to go out to experts and get bring that expertise into the business. Now, I'd love to hear your take on a few technologies that people, salespeople and people in general are often using to try to scale themselves, yep. as it were. One of them, I already know your feelings on this, but I'd love to hear you explain it on the podcast. Email. So people are always saying, build your email list. It's where the gold is. It's the most important thing. It's people who've raised their hands to hear from you. And it's a way to stay in front of your audience regularly. In fact, I know some email experts who actually recommend emailing your list every day. You are not a huge proponent of the email list. And I would love to hear your explanation on why. So I would say, yeah, if somebody is subscribed to your email list, then Yes, they are people that want to know more. In terms of email, during COVID, HubSpot, he used the data from 120,000 customers sending out data. So it's, again, it's a big data set, all of the HubSpot. Now, you would expect HubSpot people to be good at doing email. So it's not just a case where they're rubbish at doing email. Answer, which I quite often get. So they found the email has a 98% failure rate. How are they defining failure rate? Is it about failure to convert or? I'm based on revenue. So I, it amazes me that um, people are allowed to get away with the fact they say it's an open rate. And I understand with email now, we're measuring just that the email reaches the person. 
But in terms of the 98% failure rate, as far as I understand that the 98% failure rate was people actually opening it. Now, someone will say, well, I get this massive open rate. Okay, how much revenue actually get, are you getting from this? Could you actually be putting the money and the effort into something that, that is actually generating something? For example, with our benchmark for social selling, we're now getting a 9% uh, response rate for cold outreach. And then whenever you do any cold outreach, whether you email somebody or whether you cold call them, what you're looking for is some sort of next action. We're now getting a 34% agreement to next action. There is no demand gen facility out there, whether it's cold calling or email, that's getting cold outreach, a 9% return and a 34% response to next action. And if anybody wants to come and have a look at this data, they're more than happy. We're more than happy to show it to you and walk you through it in terms of what we're doing with it and how we've actually uh, sourced that data. All right. So email is not the way. <laughs> we have no email list. We deleted it in 2018 to comply with well, GDPR. Then how do you respond then to the thing where people say that the point of the email list is owning your communication with the list of people who you've amassed because of course there's the building on rented land issue with social media we've seen what happened with twitter which i refuse to call x lots of us built our audiences on there it's where we communicated with them it's where we got some business and now that has gone to up so how do you deal with the uh, I, as i said it as i said at the beginning if, as i said at the beginning if email is working for you then stick with it if people are subscribing to email and they're subscribing to your lists, then great. Remember, one of the things that I would do is not send it out wherever you're doing daily, weekly or monthly, and then wait for the number of people that phone you up. Seth Godin actually said the way that you test an email list and see whether the people have bought into it is that you don't send it out and you see how many people ring you up and say, you didn't send it out this week. I think people need to decide, do you want to generate loads of business or do you not want to generate loads of business? And those are the decisions you need to make. I guess question more is how do you make sure you're not reliant on the whims of the social platforms and any petulant billionaires who may acquire them? How do you make sure that you have made a direct connection and maintain a direct connection? At I scale? think, I think first of all, one of the things that we talk about is the, you need to have the ability to walk digital corridors and have digital conversations. And this is not about learning a particular platform. It's understanding what it means to be social. And therefore, that means it's about understanding the, the, the social ability and being on Instagram and being on Twitter, being on LinkedIn. I think this thing about building things on rented land is really a non-issue because of the fact that we know people have moved to social media. We know people are comfortable now with social media. And what our job is to do is to make sure that we're using those platforms to the way that we want them to. And that will give you the response. There's always going to be a, an argument to use a particular method or not. We don't recommend email and we think it's a career limiting thing to do that. All right. So another thing that I'm curious about your opinion on. Yes. On social media, in order to scale sociability, there are things that people use like chatbots, especially now with the rise of AI, having things that are a bit more responsive of that nature. 
on the one hand, it means that people are more likely to get a response. <laughs> They're a little less likely to get lost in your inbox. Maybe you can guide them through some of the common questions they may have. But on the other hand, it does it, a, a simulacrum of interaction is not the same as interaction. So how do you feel is best to use technologies like that sort of automate interaction on social media versus just continuing to completely handle it all manually? We use very little tools and we recommend very few tools. I'm a user of Buffer, which is about scheduling or scheduling, depending on which side of the Atlantic you're on. And that's more about me being able to tweet when I'm in meetings and things like that. In terms of sending connection quests or using chatbots, we don't do that and we wouldn't recommend it. There was some research that came out recently from Ohio University that said that they tested people. They were sent messages that were written by a human and they were sent messages that were written by a robot. And most people can work out the differences between the two. And actually, the people got pissed off by sending robot messages and they didn't respond. Whereas the human ones, they did. I think that I've been sent chat. I'm already being sent AI generated spam email. And clearly what they're doing is they're scraping the data from somewhere, putting it through a chat GPT type product and spitting out an email. And the whole thing is, I'll say rubbish, which is on big blight. I mean, you know, the facts were wrong. And unsurprisingly, because chat GPT is just all it is, a, a mechanism to try and predict and the next word. And they're very good. I use ChatGPT every day. It's fantastic. But most people need to put those things in the bin because it, it is just utter rubbish. So all I can do is share my, um, our view. So we're getting the response of the 9%, t 84% response that I talked about earlier on with no, we're not sending any spam. We're not using any tools for that. We're not even using sales navigator for that. We're just doing that by using our own social selling methodology and techniques. So is everything truly one-to-one, individual-to-individual? There's no kind of scaling situation? It depends what you call scaling, because the, the more you scale, the less quality you have. Yeah. So I have an SDR that works for me, can get 10 meetings in the morning, and he takes his dog, and, and he likes doing that because he can take his dog for a walk in the afternoon. Now, if you can get me a chatbot or you can send out spam emails or you can make cold calls that can get 10 meetings in the morning and you can take your dog for a walk in the afternoon, then talk to me about scaling. Love that. So it sounds like it's really about going deeper, not going broader or wider. It's about making sure that you keep the social in your social media and you keep the social in your social selling. Yes. And if we think about ourselves, we don't want to be targets. We don't want to be in funnels. We are ourselves. We're not, I'm not a persona. I'm an individual. And, and we want to be treated like that. And all buyers are exactly the same. Now, even though people say, how are you going to scout? If you're getting 10 meetings and if you're, if you've got an SDR who's getting 10 meetings and it's only because the other people are cold calling and they're not uh, pulling their weight that he doesn't do another 10 in the afternoon. If you're doing that level of meetings in your business and you've rolled that across your sales force. You don't need all these other tools. You can save the money. Amen. I love that. I'm not a huge user of tools either. I'm just very like, you see what you get, you get me. <laughs> I agree with that, Christine. And you've got a very clear personal brand. I know what you stand for. I know who you are. 
And if people don't like that, then they won't buy from you. But that's the trick. The trick is that you've qualified all those people out. Yep. But you haven't got to spend time talking to people that are never going to buy from you. You'll only ever talk to people that, that want to buy from you. That's my hope. So in fact, most people who talk to you, probably what happens is that you, you don't sell. What happens is they end up buying. And that's the difference. Love that. You said you know who I am and what I stand for. What do you stand for, Tim? I wrote the book, Social Selling Techniques, Different Bars and Changemakers, which is here. I'm known for that throughout the world. It's my third book. That's what we do. That's what we focus on. We're not a full service marketing agency. We just focus on generating revenue for organizations by using social media strategically. And that's what we do. And we're obsessive about it. And I think that probably came across today. (laughs) I love it. Kim, tell people where the good folks at home can find you, why they should find you and what they'll find there. The place to find me probably is on LinkedIn. I'm Timothy Hughes. You'll see lots of these books above my my profile. They'll fo- follow me or connect with me. I post every single day. I put out content every day. I'm also on um, Twitter. You can find our um, our website, dlaignite.com. And, and we'd love to, to get people's feedback, especially some of the things that I've said today. I'd love for to, to people to come on and talk to me about them. And it'd be great to connect and and talk further. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Christine. And thank you for being here. Whether you are listening to Let's Talk About Brand on your podcast player of choice, or if you're checking us out on YouTube. Either way, please subscribe and please review if you enjoyed it. And please come back next week when I'll be here with another smart guest expert talking about another element of personal branding. Bye.